Hello, my name is John, and I will be the host of this season of Wordplay, the Winthrop University Writing Center's official podcast, where we discuss everything writing-related, from academic writing to creative writing and beyond. If you like this podcast, come back for more. We will be posting on specified Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have a request of content you'd like to hear about, or if you just like our content, consider reaching out to our Instagram page, at Winthrop underscore WC. We hope you enjoy the following podcast material. Welcome to the third episode of Wordplay. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Whitaker, a graduate student and graduate assistant here at the Winthrop University Writing Center. Say hello. Hello. Yes, that was her. Yep. Always chipper. Um, we're going to be talking today about theory, critical theory, when writing essays and such. I will go ahead and apologize that we were late in posting our last podcast. So I will apologize for that, and I will not apologize for it again. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it. So I guess the best way to start is to ask, what is theory? Okay, so there's lots of different ways to define theory because we have lots of different types of theory. So at its core, theory is a set of ideas that are meant to explain something to us. So for example, Darwin's theory of evolution explains how Darwin thinks about evolution, how he thinks that it works. Now theory is different from what we might consider facts, which are ideas that have been repeatedly confirmed, as well as hypotheses, (laughs) which are more of testable proposals. But we use facts and hypotheses to come up with our theories to explain concepts. Okay, so would you consider like th- with with what you just said would you consider that kind of theory to be something related to like how a teacher teaches a subject yes so there are also forms of theory that involve teaching right um that you would learn about in education classes oh, okay. um parts of psychology goes into teaching theory and things like that yeah so it sounds like already we we're going to talk about this later but i mean we can go ahead and mention it now i guess it sounds like it's not just in the world of writing no Okay, fair enough. All right, well, what are the different schools of theory, Jessica? All right, so theory can include um, literary criticism, linguistics, semioethics, which I said wrong, psychology, feminism, (laughs) screen theory, and that's just to name a few. There are several different ones. Um, Critical theory covers a lot of different philosophies. It mainly includes ideas that challenge or destabilize established ideas. Um, Some early examples of this would be like works by Aristotle. Um, Literary theory, which is what I'm mainly familiar with, um, has several different categories, and these are the main parts that you're going to talk about when you're writing. This includes things like cultural studies, deconstruction, gender studies, formalism, Marxism, queer theory, post-colonial theory, just to name a few. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of different theories. Oh yeah, there's a lot of them. Okay, so like um, in the situation that you're, you're attempting to write an essay using a theory on a very specific piece, how do you go about deciding which theory to use? All right, that's a good question because 
While there are several different theories, the reason that we have so many is because different ones take different approaches to works. Um, so what I typically do is I consider what I'm writing about and I look up a list of theories and what they are, and it'll help me narrow down what it is that I want to talk about. Um, and when I look at that theory, I can also see what different authors use it as well. Um, so that I can work off of that to find pieces that I might want to talk about in my essay. So, for example, if I am looking at a fairly new novel and I'm really interested in how that book has been received or how the author's life might have influenced the novel, uh, I would be interested in looking into new historicism. Um, it's important to remember that theory is more about the way we approach a topic than just explaining things for our audiences. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Now, I we, we have like some uh, general format for our agenda for this episode, but I do want to ask if you're reading something and it looks like the easiest thing to do would be to maybe do historicism, what, do you think it's possible to kind of put that on the back burner and say you're like more interested in feminist theory or something like that, do you think it would be possible to bring it in to every piece or do you think it's something that it just has to be there for you to do the criticism on? Um, Did I ask that in a, should, should I rephrase? Rephrase Okay, the I will rephrase the question. <laughs> so if I'm reading, let's see, let's just say Harry Potter, okay? okay? You could, we could talk about suspension of disbelief or whatever, because I mean, it's about magic. Magic doesn't exist. But if I wanted to say, you know what, let me not talk about the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. Let me talk about something, maybe historicism. We could talk about the school itself, right? Okay. Because it's really old, I, th I think, right? Yes. Okay, Hogwarts is old, cool. Would that be, uh, an applicable approach for every piece of literature that you read or no? Uh, not necessarily. So different approaches can work for several different things. Mm -hmm. Like for example, deconstruction deals mainly with binaries. So, you know, good, evil, dark, light. Um, and if those binaries aren't present in a novel, you can't really use deconstruction for it. Okay. Well, that's good insight because I have myself tried to do what I just asked you <laughs> and I've been met with resistance from teachers. So that explains a little bit why. Um, but let's get back on track though. So are there different theories for each discipline? Because it sounds like what you're saying is that in the world of English and writing, we've got these sets of um, theory that we would apply to literary works. Could you also maybe apply them outside of the world of English writing? Yes, of course. So um, there's lots of different theorists and lots of different disciplines. In psychology, you're going to have different theorists. Um, so like Freud, Lacan, and all of those people, um, the guy who did the Bell test and the saliva, <laughs> you know, they're all yeah. theorists. Yeah. Um, in economics, you talk about Marx. Um, you might think that like things like linguistics are specific to English, but sociologists and psychologists also use parts of linguistic theory in their own work. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of everything can be used across disciplines. Some things are specific to disciplines. Um, you could always look them up. Like 
Literary theory, what is that? Psychology theory, what is that? Philosophy, what is that? And they'll tell you kind of who's included in that school of thought. That's cool. That's cool. So let's let's focus on you a little bit. So I know you are obviously an English major, but what would you say your focus is? What do you like to research the most? Uh, I am very interested in uh, translation theory. Translation theory. Tell me a little bit about that because we didn't mention that before. <laughs> so, <laughs> translation theory deals a lot with um, what it means to translate a work, if it's possible to truly translate a work, is the way that that work is understood in the original language going to match your target language. Um, it also looks at circulation and readers' response to translations. Oh, that's cool. I've been doing translation theory not knowing I was doing translation <laughs> theory. That's awesome. So, I guess, do you think, just answer all of your questions that you just posed, like, do you think things can be successfully translated? Um, not necessarily. Okay. All right. Then we agree. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Let's keep it. Let's keep the ball rolling. So, my next question, since we're talking about kind of like your background, like what your focus is, how do you go about finding research to support translation theory? Or any other theory, I guess. Um, so it's not really that I find research to support my theory. Um, the way that I kind of see theory is that the research that other scholars have done. Mm. So, for example, I'm translating a work. I want to talk about the translation process. I'm going to look at translation theories like uh, Venuti, Spivak, um, Apter. These are all scholars who have written pieces. And it's not so much that I'm going to do research to support their theories. I'm going to use their theories to support what I want to mm, say. Okay. So they're more of a part of my research versus like research I need to do. Okay, that's fair. So I guess that kind of goes back to separating what is a theory versus what is a hypothesis, kind mm -hmm. of. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh, the next thing, I guess question-wise, uh, do you think certain theories are more important than other theories? You yourself just said that you like to focus on translation theory a lot. Do you think in in the in the kinds of literature that you read and write about, do you think it's more important to focus on translation theory? Um, so it's more important to me. I wouldn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's like the most important theory. Everyone should know everything about it. I think it's important. People should be aware of what translations are and how they affect their lives. Um, but it's not necessarily that certain theories are more important than other theories. It's more that you should consider what new, newer theories are and how they relate to older theories. So, um, for example, once upon a time, literary theory claimed that there was only one true meaning to a text, and you could only find it inside of that text. Mm. And then the theories that came after that were like, no, 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 we think you're wrong. <laughs> um, the meaning of a text, there's multiple different meanings. Um, those meanings can come from several different things inside of the text, from what the author said, what the reader experiences when they read that text. So it's not much the theory, one theory is more important than another. It's that a lot of these theories build off of each other. That's, that's a very good way of looking at it. Now, going at the beginning of what you just started to say, you were saying that your, your initial response was, it's more important to you. Okay. Yes. And I really want to build off of that. I want to snowball. I want to go out of control. Okay. Okay. Just for a second. So 
that sounds very subjective in determining what's more important. There isn't one set theory that's more important than the others. You just, it sounds like you enjoy that theory more. Yes. Okay. So I, myself, I, I feel like I enjoy structuralist theories quite a bit more than all the other theories. You're shaking your head at me, but listen, <laughs> everything comes down to the commas and syntax. Okay. Okay. All right. So I find myself wanting to apply a structuralist theory on everything that I read. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, I mean, there are obviously times where I'm like, okay, let me try to, let me try to use a different theory because I feel like I use this theory too much. I'm not getting the full scope. Is that kind of what you're saying? You want to see how they kind of like coincide with one another? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Because, you know, there are tons of theories that come after structural theory that say that structural theory is a big no-no. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, there are they're lots. wrong. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, there's, there's a lot to be said about the merit of other theories. Of course. Yeah. And it's very common for scholars to pick a particular theory that they're very fond of mm-hmm. and to particularly write in that field. Okay. It's just important to be aware of the other theories and how they play with each other because some have shortcomings and strengths and then other theories will fill in those shortcomings. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, we're talking about how you can apply these theories in different disciplines within academia. Do you think you can apply these theories outside of academia, like in the quote-unquote real world? I put my little air quotes there so you could see them. Of course. Um, So like I was saying earlier, lots of theories go into teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of theories go in, even in translation theory, a lot of it is concerned with like the way we consume translations. Mm We can, cantrations? Translations. Translations. Um, The way we consume them, what it means to read a translation, what if we read a mistranslation, those are very concerned with like what happens to us outside of the academic sphere. Um, And I've had a lot of students recently bringing HMXP papers into the writing center, and they're really, they're writing papers about Plato's allegory of the cave and what it means to be free and what education really is. Um, And those kind of ideas help them shape their world. They're talking about um, how they view their diplomas differently, how they view um, learning in class, what it means to critically listen, what it means to critically think. And these are all things that are going to impact them outside of their class. That was deep. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. (laughs) Yeah, no, like it's, it's perfectly, it's, perfectly clear to me so far I'm a senior you're a grad student so I'm not as I guess experienced in academia as you are but like I I can see how some theories can like I can apply them in everyday life like yeah you just be driving down the road and I'm sitting here maybe if I get in standstill traffic or something and like I'm like my immediate inclination is to yell at the person in front of me to get out of the way and then we, we can apply a, a, a theory that says, well, let me put myself in their shoes. Like, why is it that they're not moving? You know what I mean? Like, even something so small scale as that. That's crazy. That's wild. I mean, <laughs> theories weren't necessarily created for academic purposes. Right. 
There are lots of theorists who just look at the world around them and say, I want to explain why this thing is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And that has nothing to do with academics specifically. It has to do with who they are and how they experience life. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why I would say that theory isn't just for the classroom. It's for understanding our world. Wow. That's a little sappy, but I understand. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little sappy, but I'm behind it. Like, I, I support what you're what you're trying to sell me (laughs) yeah study theory it's great it is great no absolutely like i feel like it's it's more of an attempt at a university or school or just studying in general as less about how do you use it in the academic context and more so focused on how does the university teach you how to think Mm -hmm. and i i feel like i feel like does that does that make sense Make sense? Yes. Yes? I I mean, because you're not going to be in a class forever. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I am an English grad student. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a translator. At some point, I'm not going to be the student in a classroom mm. anymore. What I'm learning are skills that are going to allow me to teach others and to complete work. Um, and these theories are the blocks that I use to accomplish those things. Mm. That's awesome. Now, I will say that, and this is this is just my opinion. You can agree or disagree, but I think the best way to learn a theory is to try and apply it to to your immediate world around you, like your surroundings and everything. Would you agree? I would definitely agree because when we read theory, it's very confusing. Yes, um, especially deconstruction. Yes, <laughs> a lot of people. It seems like when they write out their theories, they're purposely trying to be confusing. Um, I feel like I've had conversations with professors before who have been like, "I feel like they write this confusingly, so that we can't say that they're wrong because mm-hmm. they'll just say we misinterpreted it." So yeah. I think it's really important to look at a theory, figure out how you understand it, and try to apply it to things and see how it works for you. Because at the end of the day, it's just a theory. That's why at the beginning I gave the definition that, you know, it's not a fact. Facts are separate. Mm-hmm. Facts are things that we consider true to life. Theories are kind of the way we look at how we can work with life. Mm-hmm. So hypothetically speaking, and this is me pitching something to you, Say someone tries to apply this theory to their immediate world around them and their and their personal life and everything. Say they just don't understand it. What's a person to do? You're thinking too hard. Come on. <laughs> no, no, I'm pitching something to you. I need well, you to pick it up and go. I'm sorry. Okay, so there's a lots of things that you can do in that situation. You could examine why you think that it didn't go right. Uh-huh. Um, We're getting close. We're getting warm. And if you're wondering, you know, make your own new theory. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just pick up where they left off. Okay. Okay. Um, you could also consider talking to other people who know things about that theory. Mm-hmm. Um, do a little research about that theory. Mm-hmm. Um, look at videos of people explaining that theory. You know, and if the whole time you were right about what you were doing, <laughs> then maybe there's something wrong with the theory itself. Yeah, because there are lots of theories that come from saying, you know, this past theory wasn't quite right. Let's grow off of that a little bit and use it as a stepping stone to create mm-hmm. something new. Um, so maybe one day you can write your own theory. Heck yeah. Because yeah, go. Keep going. Oh, a lot of the um, translation theorists that I mentioned are all people who are still alive. 
So, you know, they're current day theorists writing out their own theories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's their academic work. <laughs> so there's a lot to be smoothed out. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> okay. <They're, laughs> I mean, I feel like you could say that there were incorrect thinkings in okay. the past. Um, things that we just know a lot more about now. That's fair. We can answer. Like, you know, in the past, there weren't really as much gender studies and queer theory. That's all new things that we're applying to the world around us. Um, what does it mean to be a man or a, fe- a woman? Um, are there other categories? What does it mean to be queer? You know, these are all new questions that we're asking. And I'm sure there'll be questions that, you know, generations after us will ask that we didn't consider. Yeah, very true. And if all else fails, and you still can't get it, and you just don't understand, you can absolutely 100% come to the writing center. Is that the question? Yes. Is that the answer you were looking for? <laughs> yeah, that's the answer I was looking for. But I'm no, so your other sorry. answer, your other answers <laughs> were very true. Like you can, in fact, go do your own research and you will find, hopefully, an answer to your question. And I mean, if you don't, you can go to the writing center. Please come to the writing center. And we will we will do our best to 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 pick up where where the slack is. Pick up the slack, I guess. I personally love reading the HMXP papers because mm-hmm. a lot of them are based on theory and I love talking about Plato. Mm-hmm. I love talking about what it means to think critically. I love talking about what it means to be a person. I love when people bring in those papers. I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, please come and see me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very it's very interesting to see to see how each person interprets things differently. And applies theories. Oh yeah, it definitely is because a lot of it is, you know, because theories about the way we see the world. So each paper, each paper is about people's different experiences and the way they see these ideas applying to their own life. And I find that very interesting. Yeah, that's very true. Now, again, we're always here to help. The writing center is here always to help anyone, regardless of what year you are or if you're an undergraduate or grad student isn't that right jessica it is i make appointments here all the time I, yeah keep going oh i was gonna say um i make lots of appointments with Haley. Uh, she helps me think things through you know because when i started here as a grad student i was like you know if i'm working in the writing center does that mean i can't come to the writing center is it normal for graduate students <laughs> to come to the writing center and you know, it is normal. Different grad students come to the writing center all the time. Yep. And I, it doesn't really matter what your major is. If you need help, get help. I've had biology students come in, and I read this super awesome report about mm-hmm. moss. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you don't have to be so sarcastic. <laughs> no, it wasn't sarcastic. I, I love it moss. it was cool. <laughs> and her paper was about, you know, she went out into the surrounding area to a particular patch and she was looking at how moss grew in like shaded areas and sunny areas and like moisture and moss growing on rocks versus growing on trees and you know we were talking a lot about format and grammar and is this structured properly is the point that I'm trying to make coming across to you and you know that's a universal thing not just to English papers absolutely 
I, I wish more people from other disciplines would book appointments with me because I hear you guys tell these awesome, amazing stories about all oh, these yes. interdisciplinary essays that you get brought down or reports or whatever kind of writing it is. And I sit here and I'm like, man, like I love my job, but like I could love it more. It's I could more have interesting. I could have some. I could have some some variety. I could I could use some of that. It's lots of fun, and we. I also love getting group projects. Because, you know, we accept group projects here. Mm. Every member of the group has to be here. So it's kind of like a little writing center party. <laughs> we talk about what their project is and what each person is doing. And we talk a lot about how that all comes together. Um, so I've had group projects where we talk about the structure of the project. How should we put our pieces together? I've just had groups coming in being like, this is the first time we're using APA. We don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Or I have groups come in and be like, this is what we want to talk about. Um, I'm having trouble finding research for this. What exactly is it that I should be looking for? Um, and I love doing that. Yeah. I love doing research. Those are awesome. I had wish one, we had more of them. I had one person come in and... She wanted to look for this very specific news article. So we spent our appointment scouring the Chicago news website looking for this specific news article mm-hmm. that she wanted to reference. And that was pretty fun. That's awesome. I really, I really am jealous. That's okay though, because when people start listening to this podcast, they're going to start coming in and they're going to start booking appointments and I mean, it's going to be great. And it's going to be great. And you know, I like getting all sorts of projects. Yeah, all of them, especially theory. I do love theory. Yep. (laughs) It is. It might be a personal favorite. It is the bread and butter of an English major's life. It is. But if, if you, again, I'm just, I'm going to mark it as much as I can on this podcast. If you want to come in and ask questions, or if even if you don't have any questions, you think you understand the theory completely, you just come in. You want to say, hey, I don't know if I'm, if I'm being concise enough, or maybe I'm not completely versed in grammar. Like, bring it in. We'll look at it, and we'll, we'll help you. And you know what? If you want to come into the writing center and book an appointment with John just to tell him that he shouldn't be doing structuralism, that's okay, too. No. Yeah, I will spend the 30-minute or hour-long appointment telling you why you should reconsider your viewpoint. And you know what? <laughs> if you don't want to step foot in the writing center, you can make an online appointment. You can. Which I also love. Also 30 minutes or an hour. Of course. And also free. Of course. You know what? Free is for me, and I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> free is for everyone, okay? Especially Winthrop students that go to Winthrop. You have to be a Winthrop student to use writing center. <laughs> Just a little note, if you've been listening and you live somewhere else yeah. and you're like, yeah, I definitely want that. No, you have to be a, <laughs> you have to a be a student. student. I'm sorry. You can literally just take one class here and that makes you a student and you can go to the writing center. You know what? If you want to apply to Winthrop just so you can use our writing center. Do it. It's a great campus. I really yeah. love the trees here. Wow. And the moss. And the moss. I've yeah. read a lot about it. Yeah, it's true. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Wordplay. Thank you, Jessica, for being on. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Um, If you have any questions about theory or if you'd like another podcast talking about a specific kind of theory, you can message us on Instagram. And our handle is Winthrop underscore WC. You can send us a message on there or you can just come in and ask. 
that's it for this episode of Wordplay. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you on the next one.